Bretto, can you believe it? The Wellness Summit is almost here. Oh, I'm P. I'm so excited. I don't know what to do with myself. Well, Bretto, it's been two long years since our last Wellness Summit. And if you're listening to this, folks, and don't have a ticket, then... What are you doing? The Wellness Couch family of podcasters gather for two days in Melbourne on Saturday, August 25 and 26, featuring... The Queen of Nutrition, Cindy O'Meara. The rock star of wellness, Dr. Damien Christophe. Connect with your spirit and soul with Barley Bomb survivor, Karen Smith. Self-care is on the menu with Kim Morrison. Master the art of ageing well with the one and only Marcus Pierce. Oh, shucks, Bretto. What about how to recover from rock bottom with Dr. Brett Hill? Master your stress with Dr. Maria Jushman. Get empowered with Imogen Bailey. Female health experts Dr. Andrea Huddleston and Ashley Bond. Master your sleep with Audra Starkey. The natural nutritionist Steph Lowe. Australian Idol winner, Wes Carr. Woohoo! And Quirky Cooking's Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab and a whole lot more. Oh, what a lineup, MP. Seriously, why would you not be coming to the Wellness Summit? Not to mention our world-class exhibition of Australia's most incredible, sustainable wellness products and services. MP, we've done the final layout. There are less than 100 spaces left. And there's only a few discounted tickets available at thewellnesssummit.com. Marcus, be there or be square. Zazen Alkaline Water presents the 2018 Wellness Summit, Saturday, August 25 and 26 at the Collingwood Town Hall. Getting quick, folks. The final release of discounted tickets available at thewellnesssummit.com. See you there, Bretto. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. Welcome to A Quirky Journey. This is your host, the legend, Marcus P. So hold on, I got it all wrong. <laughs> I'm so confused now. I'm your host, Fuad Kassab. With me is my co-host, Joe Witten. And with us is the man who really compliments the three of us, the two of us, Marcus <laughs> How's it going, Marcus? <laughs> oh, we need to take you back to counting school, Mr. Kassab. Oh, it is a joy to I'll be with you what, again. It's Monday morning. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. You haven't oh. had your, your bulletproof, quirky cooking coffee this morning or your... Um, you probably hasn't even had breakfast, have you, Thor? No, you've been intermittent fasting since Friday. That's right. Yeah. This is yeah. <laughs> yeah, time to break that fast. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks. To, great to be on a quirky journey again. Good to hear you. Uh, yeah, we love it because, like, you're just the most cheerful person we know. And sometimes we need a bit of cheer in our life. And <laughs> we just call on Marcus Peace and everything is better again. So, yeah. that's, uh, you know, that's because, you know, about four or five years ago, before uh, my beautiful wife Sarah and I uh, did a lot of John D. Martini's work, I think I was almost fake positive. Um, so I was always found a way to be positive all the time. And then Sarah and I oh, went did, sort of like um, the Pollyanna. Positive. Yeah, yeah, and particularly, <laughs> particularly like in um in 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 the chiropractic world, there was always I suppose training that you know never ask people how they are because they start telling you, and it just really no. the conversation. You know, like yeah. You know, because if you're coming into a health um, practitioner's office and you go, "How are you going?" You can imagine a lot of people like, "Oh, I've got a," you know, whether it's a bad back or a sore neck or my my guts yeah. are stuffed or I'm feeling down, and it was just it, it it would just be a real downtime. And then um, so I would always you know try and turn it around, and oh gosh, I tell you what, that was just tiresome. And then we did a lot of that work, and and then a few of Sarah's patients were like, "Yeah, we could always tell when you were." lying through your teeth and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, no, in a good way in a really good yeah. way what and were you so doing I, at, the, at the clinic there i was more like the business manager particularly when um mm. when we had kids i just said to sarah i said babe you just come in and work your magic with your patients and i'll look after mm. all of the money and the appointments and the and organization of the mm. of the business so that That's handy. Was, yeah she was breastfeeding around the clock and it was so time to the minute it was a little bit stressful but I, I am now genuinely chuffed that you call me cheerful because I would like to think I'm more congruent with my moods than 
than I've ever been. And uh, if I'm if I'm unhappy, I'm happy to let people know that I'm under the pump. So how does John Demartini stuff? Like I don't know anything about him. Well, I was more just honouring that there's two sides to the coin. You know, no one is ever happy all the time. There's yeah. there's always tails to a heads. Um, ah. And I think it's just really you know if I'm if I'm annoyed, I don't try and suppress it anymore. Like I'll. Happy. To, some people don't like the honesty. You, you can't win either way, can you? You know, if, no. you're, if you're annoyed, you're going to annoy Thanks, people. Marcus, you know, <laughs> thank you for saying that. And to be honest, I'm really upset. You <laughs> <laughs> so I think, um, I think personally, I think people prefer a bit of honesty. So I'm now I just think so too. not in a rude, but not rude. That's yeah. the other thing. Like, um, what's the the one liner we read in the kids' books? It's okay to be angry. It's not okay to be mean. And yeah. I think that's a really good lesson for adults as well nothing wrong with being in a bad mood but you don't have to be cruel to others and then justify it as in i'm sorry i'm just in a bad mood or it's like when people say i'm sorry i'm just so tired it's like it's okay to be tired but you don't have to be mean you know i think i think that's probably what i've learned from (laughs) d martini and the and the selection of kids books (laughs) that i read yeah man and and to be honest you know like i've probably only known you in your happy days so i'm glad because I wouldn't like the Marcus who's trying to be all cheerful. Like that would probably be over, way over the top for me. I wouldn't be able to handle that kind of energy. Oh, and Sarah, well, but my poor wife, you know, I think she was always like, it's just a bit exhausting. It's like, can't I just be a little bit down? You know, and I'm like, yeah, but also know that there's like all this other good stuff. She's like, no, but you're not listening to me. And I'm like, yeah, you're yeah. I'm not listening to you. I'm, I'm thinking of the stuff you're not saying. Yeah. So yeah, 100%. I think it is exhausting when people are, and particularly you look at the rise of, you know, men, without, I know we're going straight to the deeper manifolds here, but you look at the rise of mental illness or just, you know, mm. poor mental health and, and now people are in a bad mood and it's like, oh, come on, let's take you out for a drink and kind of just deaden the nerves. And it's like, no, why don't you just, just let people grieve or let people be down just for a moment. We don't have to be so, we have to turn this around. I think there's a real, um, yeah, that's kind uh, that, that's a good point. And to be honest, the problem really lies right at that juncture, I think, where when people are feeling down and they don't have the permission to feel down and they get stuck in that place because yep. they don't go through the grieving process. They're stuck in that down feeling. Yeah, That's really the sticking place, I think, where if people, they, that's where they reach for the alcohol or whatever it is to change the mood, mm. to shift it away from that, but it will quickly go back there and worse because it hasn't really been allowed to go through the body. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And you may, you know, there may be people listening um, that are in environments where the other person says, look, come back to me when you've stopped crying. And I'm like, mm. no, don't, don't let someone go and just feel isolated and down at the same time. You know, be there mm. with your arms around them or in the room and, and let them cry it out and talk it out and and (laughs) grieve whatever emotion it is whether it's a bad day or a relationship strain or something at work it's it's don't don't don't, push them away don't push them away and say go and have your pity party and come back to me when you're feeling good that's that's, so important it's so important but you can see that parents do it to their children and you can see that it happens in the formative years and you know my my mantra with sarah is babe just cry it out let it all out you cry on my shoulder do whatever you want what yeah. are you doing to this poor woman that she's? <laughs> just, I'll, I'll what just, is that a mantra, bro? Like every day, I'll oh, right out. You know, just <laughs> if you want to vent, babe. If you've got stuff, I'm not going to judge you on how small or big your oh, grievances are. You just, if you want to crack it about the kids or yeah. about your sore time, get married to Marcus Pierce now. You know, the, the cup of tea that was lukewarm, whatever it is, small, medium, or large, you just go for it, and I'll just. I call her, I say, I'm your yacht in the ocean, babe. I'm this Aww. little, and there's thunderstorms and waves and tsunamis all around me, but I won't sink. I'm oh, here. you're so sweet, Marcus. It is, but Marcus, if, if really things don't work out with Sarah, please come. <laughs> Let's have dinner. Our bromance, our bromance. <laughs> I would like such a, yeah, it's beautiful. No, that's You've one. got my number. If you ever yeah, want to just, absolutely. You know, call. I'm always here. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, and speaking of positivity and all that kind of stuff, we've got a big event coming up really, really soon. Hey, and I'm craving some real life connection with you both. Uh, Joe, oh, I haven't seen you fun. in, oh, well, Brisbane, I haven't seen you since February. And Is so it it'll, be months. it'll be six months, essentially yeah. to the day, February 24, I saw you last and I'll be seeing wow. you on 
August 24th, so six months to the day. Yeah. And Fu, I saw you in June. So I've been fortunate enough to see Fu a couple of months back. But again, mm-hmm. can't wait to give you both a big kiss and a hug and to connect Aww. with our wellness <laughs> tribe, um, you know, six, seven, eight hundred people mm-hmm. in Melbourne in a couple of weeks' time. It's very exciting. And a really big thank you for throwing me right at the end of the summit once again to close. <laughs> well, you're giving away all the trade secrets now. Oops, but oops. <laughs> if you reveal the headlines, I did say, look, we need people. We need people to to close the summit that our. Uh, attendees can relate to because the biggest challenge when you leave an event like the summit is you've heard you know 20 odd speakers you've seen uh, an incredible um, array of um, wellness exhibitors and products and services and you've got all these ideas but then how do you then leave and start implementing it and both of you are so relatable in the fact that you're, you're so honest but you're so down to earth and you're not there selling a, a magic pill or a quick fix you're really mm-hmm. there selling a journey and a, an adventure yeah. of of, of transformation and I think you guys tell the story better than anyone else and I think uh, they, need, they need that particularly at the end you know if we t- if we if we tell your story at the beginning people are like oh that's great but come the end of it if it's all if it's all facts and do this and do that people go oh I'm so not, like, not I'm that, that that's the entire summit the, like the summit is definitely a mix of people who are yeah. the practical stuff and people telling the deep and meaningful and things the inspiration the and science the story, inspiration yeah. it's like, yeah. like who's coming who's gonna be there well, you've got the story. I mean, you've got the you've got the big stories. You know, you've got the you know Karen Smith, a barley bomb survivor. Then you've got Cindy O'Meara, who's been in, in a nutritionist for twenty five years, and you've got other food with Steph Lowe and and Damien Christoph. And then you've got some of the more you know we've got newer speakers on female health, like the Wellness Women Radio Girls, um, who are on the the Wellness Couch, oh, yeah. and Imogen Bailey. I don't know if you guys remember. I always knew Imogen Bailey as an actress. She was on Neighbours. She was on. Some of the big Australian, I uh, suppose, shows, particularly when I was growing up in my younger days, and now she helps a lot of women in the, um, you know, the women's circle and female empowerment. So that's kind of a an area we haven't done a yeah, lot. Imogen of. trained our friend Lucy Nichtenstein from Reading yes, for me. So she did her women's circle training with Imogen. Yeah, so I think that that deeper level. I mean, uh, Imogen does a lot of work with. Um, beginning of life and end of life, which I think is a fascinating conversation because it's something we all have in common, birth and death, but not something we touch on a lot at the summit. And then, um, you know, Kim Morrison, obviously with self-care and self-love, she's just about to release her her new book, The Art of Self-Love, but that more than ever is is, uh, an important topic. And then Brett Hill really is, he's really good at sharing his rock bottom story. And I think that's a really important topic. just that awareness that a lot of people hit rock bottom. It's certain it could be in any area of life and um, having the courage to own up to that I think is is wonderful. I kind of tend to work on how do you fit in all of these wonderful things that we all want to do and then how do you know when to cross some certain things off the list? Mm-hmm. Whether That's a good, it's, you good know, discussion. Green juices. You know, I used to have a green juice every day. Now I think I'd be lucky to have a green juice once Same. a month. You know? <laughs> I used to exactly. I used to meditate every day. Now I'd be lucky to meditate once a month. I don't miss yeah. it. You know, it's not something I'm craving, but I think it's yeah. How do you know when to cross a healthy habit off your list? In re- and, and because you're already you doing do ninety-seven other yeah, yes, exactly healthy been, habits. We kind of talked about a lot of this on our last podcast, didn't we, through Yeah, absolutely, mm. and, uh, and it ties in with what we'll be talking yeah. about. As yeah. Well. And I think Damo, Damo really wants to talk about diversity. Like in, diver- in these days now in the health and wellness world, whether you like it or not, there's now a lot of judgment. So some people are like, oh, CrossFit is the best way to exercise. And others are like, no, 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 yoga is. And others are like, intermittent fasting is the best diet. And others are like, no, 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 paleo is or vegan is. And so now there's like a, I don't want to say an ego construct, but now there's almost like a competition. And mm. it's really... You know, well, our kind of premise is it's not meant to be that way. Yeah, it's meant to be a community of diverse views and likes and loves and and dedications. And that's what I'm loving about the growth of the Wellness Couch is that we used to be two or three podcasts and now we're, I think we're 25 or so on all these different topics, but not on a level of of competition, more on a level of community and bringing people together and always Mm. use the up for a chat girls, you know, Karen Smith, a vegan, Kim Morrison doesn't eat red meat and then Cindy O'Meara, a full-blown carnivore that just loves getting (laughs) stuck into a steak. And, you know, they're not there wronging each other. Um, They're they're actually in a beautifully diverse, um, yeah, community of friendship. And I think that's 
that's what we really aim to provide it. Do you mean that's so why I love catching up with each other? I've got the delivery guy getting my herb uh, supply. Oh, there you go. I'll keep talking. Yeah, I yeah. was going to say, do you want me to tell you what I'm going to talk about? Oh, we'd love to hear that, Joe. Well, it kind of ties in with a well. Of course, it ties in because we're all we're all on this same sort of journey. Because I've been um, really thinking about the whole comparing yourself to everybody else, and oh, maybe I should be doing that, and maybe oh, I've got to change my diet to this or my lifestyle to that because this is what the latest expert says, and the confusion that that creates, and the feeling of inadequacy, and always following everyone on social media and trying to figure out who you should be like yeah figuring out your own journey and not comparing yourself to everyone else and that's something that I've been really working on I guess this last year with my health issues and um you know feeling like you sometimes you just don't match up to all these people who seem to have it all together have it all well you know what I was on the phone <laughs> to um to Cindy O'Meara the other day just talking about the summit and the things and she said have you heard of so-and-so and I was like no I haven't said what and I said oh well Cindy I just I just listened to you and to Joe and Fu and to Damien Christoph and and to Steph Lowe <laughs> and I'll let you guys do all of the research and you can go and learn about because you know that's what Cindy yeah. loves to do yeah, she's the researcher I said I just I kind of like um what's the word um you let the people that love to do all of that Yes. They do. And then they filter all of the messages down and then they share it with their tribe. Simplify it. I read a, read a, did a podcast with Damien Christoph for 100 Not Out just yesterday and it was about, we were, we were looking at an article on what happens to the body when you go vegan. And it was quite a good article. I thought it would be all, you know, rainbow and gold. Like mm. when you go vegan, your body is just this immaculate, you know. Yeah. It was actually, it was actually the pros and the cons. And right. Damo was just sharing all of this information i was like isn't this wonderful that mm. you can just have someone close to you that is kind of like they're an asset like yeah you know and i feel like that's what the summit and and hearing people like you speak is you can just get from that person what it is that they love and like you said joe if you love just focusing and having the courage to do what you love to do then in many ways even though it's a constant t- um test you don't have to follow what everyone else is doing because you know what works for you but it does take courage doesn't it it does it really does and sometimes you have to unfollow a few people on social media (laughs) (laughs) that starts to do your head in and i often wonder how how people like yourself master the art of only only responding to comments say in the chat group or responding just to your notifications and kind of never never being sucked into a news feed where you can then kind of see what everyone else is doing because um, I rarely go on, but I even like tell the truth. Do that. What, I'm just not sure what you mean exactly. You mean like scrolling through well, Facebook? Well, you know how it's like, you know, Johnny Blogs responded to your comment. Yeah. So ideally, if you're doing work, you'd only go in to respond to that comment. Yeah. yeah. And then you'd yeah. go and do something else. But right. naturally, just the way that Facebook's set up is you'd go and respond to Johnny Blogs' comment and then you'd get tied into someone else's news feed and then you go oh they've done this and they've done that and look where they're on holiday and look at the recipe they've posted but she does do that no but i I think human beings that's the whole facebook (laughs) i unfollowed so many people on facebook not people that i don't like or anything it's just so that i would have a really basic news feed yeah and then if i want six months ago marcus yeah yeah we we, joe and i just set a limit of how many people we want to see on Facebook and yeah, and how well it allows you to do your work. Like you're still friends with heaps of people, but if you want to see what they're doing, whatever they can tag you, mm. or you can go in and have a look at their page or or their um feed. But generally, I just like if someone, even with my notifications now, I just scroll through and have a look at what I think is important, and then I click on that, and then I'll when I have time, I'll spend time in my groups where. Um, I need to have some input. So we've got a chat group, a quirky cooking chat group, and we've got a GAPS group and we've got a gut health program group plus the normal page, the regular quirky cooking page. So you can't, you just can't be in there all the time. So maybe once a week I'll get in and answer a bunch of questions. But, yeah, I've definitely pulled back a lot. I used to be on my phone answering stuff in all the groups and everything um, like all through the day but I just, I can't do it anymore. 
It's, con- just, it's consuming. Yeah, so two hundred and seventy-two thousand followers on. Oh Facebook. my gosh! I don't know how you do it. So two That's things on this. Groups are great because they answer each other. Yeah, and they're, they're self-fulfilling. We yeah. have to just reiterate that your message at the summit will be on owning the path that you're on and having the courage to own that path regardless of what everyone else is doing and, yeah, and not, the not comparing of, yourself to everyone else and, yeah. and not feeling that you're inadequate because you have the ups and downs because everybody does. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And yeah. I think that's just such an important message yeah. to share. And then, and then on that, for all of the people listening to this, and I don't know if I'm breaking any rules here, but the, <laughs> the, the group ticket offer, I don't know if you guys have still got it running, but yes, the group ticket offer that you have is the best value ticket to the Wellness Summit Ooh. available. So it's not a publicly <laughs> available ticket. It's something that no. we've organized directly with uh, the Quirky Tribe. So yes. uh, do people can people access that through the yep. chat group? What's the way that people access that offer that you guys have for them? So if they go to the website, um, the Wellness Summit website, and they use the code. So what's the summit site again? Thewellnesssummit.com. Yeah, thewellnesssummit.com. And then they use the code... Quirky group booking, is that right, Philip? Yeah, that's the one. All one word, all lowercase, just quirky group booking, then that's the code to get um, the ticket for $127. $127. I think at the moment the cheapest, discount. yeah, and the lowest ticket at the moment publicly available is $167. So that's Ooh. the best We're price hoping to have lots of quirkies there. There's lots yep. of interested quirkies in the chat group saying yay can't wait to go so there's a lot of quirkies coming along so it'll be you could have your own annual conference there at the uh (laughs) (laughs) not a bad idea (laughs) oh why not before the 25th i'm going to be in melbourne on the 23rd as well i'm doing a dinner with my friend joseph abud at bar saracen so the details of that should be up by the time this podcast goes up so check out the links in the show notes for how to book uh, that would you want to tell us what you're cooking? Well, the menu organized? Yeah, Joseph is actually, this is, he's such a, a cool chef. You know, this guy. I love been, his food. He's had roomy restaurant in Melbourne for mm-hmm. uh, like a decade or so now. And um, he came to Sydney once and we met up. Uh, when I just had the blog back then and we traveled uh, around uh, Western Sydney, went to all the Lebanese shops and talked food for a couple of days, really. And we became really close friends. And then when I went to Melbourne to try his food, I was really blown away. Like To me, it was probably the best Middle Eastern meal that I've ever had at his restaurant. It was just absolutely incredible. And um, the late Anthony Bourdain as well went to uh, his restaurant. Really? Really? Yeah, and wow. uh, and he uh, he tweeted that it was the best meal he'd had in Melbourne. Oh, yeah. wow. How cool is that? So, like, he still gets to all these Americans now going, hi, is this roomy restaurant? You know, and then they were just, <laughs> um, I watch you guys on Bourdain's show. And they, they oh, were, that's so cool. So, I don't know if that was a good American expert. Uh, ex- yeah, it's pretty good. All right, so um, so he did that. And then Rene Redzepi, the number one chef in the world, went to his restaurant what? and then came back, I think, a day or two later with all his staff to try no. the food because he was just blown away by it. I didn't know that. Yeah, so like th- this guy's making wow. incredible food, but he's really like, I, I feel he's completely underappreciated for what he does. It's just, just a big, big talent, you know. So I'm going to be joining him at his new restaurant. It's called Bar Saracen. It's in the CBD of Melbourne. And we're just going to um, improvise some beautiful dishes together. You know, some, some of the stuff that I've done at Chickpea and Baraka, and maybe a, a new dish or two for me. And then he's going to have some of his dishes together. And we're just going to you know, demonstrate the, um, the beauty of Middle Eastern food with all the spices and the charcoal and all that good stuff. And it's all, all going to be gluten-free as well. So... Save me a doggy bag because I don't get there till yeah. the next day. Yeah, no, worries. <laughs> no problem. And, uh, I've got a similar dinner, but this one uh, I'm doing on my own on the um, the sixth of September in Katoomba, and um, I'm calling that spice and smoke. And it's um, I'm going to be using like local firewood to cook some of my meats and things like that. So it's got some of the flavors of the Blue Mountains in there. I'm going to. Um, get as much organic and local produce as I can and uh, do a meal that is uh, really an expression of where I am at with my food at the moment and like an homage to my history and the stuff that I've um, you know come with from Lebanon all the things that I've learned all my experience in the restaurants and um, you know bringing it back for the first dinner ever since I closed my restaurant down so that's 
pretty exciting for me. Really happy to be back behind the burners, even though it's for a day or two. And that's actually a better thing for me than to do it as a full-time gig. So happy to be back in the kitchen. It's amazing the fine line between what you love, isn't it? In terms of, um, you, as you just said, you know, you love the idea of doing it for a day or two, but you kind of, you'd be despondent at the idea of it being your everyday life. Yeah, and it, it did become a pretty uh, difficult. So, like when I had the restaurants, I'd be, you know, going to bed at two a.m. and then getting up at six thirty, doing it all over again, and you'd have the people who were coming were not really like your loyal followers anymore. Like they're, they're not the, your tribe. There's just people who just heard about you and they'd come and they'd try it. So they didn't have the depth that a, um, a fan has through the experience that they come. So when they come, when, it, when someone who knows you and they know your work and they come and eat your food, they relate to it differently. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's more, becomes more of a celebration. Especially that, when they know your personal journey. That's right. Yeah. Your story. Yeah, so they come there more excited. They feel like they know you. When you have a conversation with them, you don't have to explain anything about yourself. They already know. So then from there, you know, it just becomes, uh, it takes it to the next level of the experience. But when when you have the full-time restaurant, it's just a struggle, you know, like just bookings and cancellations and money issues and um, late nights and almost falling asleep at the wheel going back home. Oh, It was terrible, really. And adrenal fatigue and body pain and just a really unhealthy lifestyle because you're sleeping against daytime yeah just having a few hours and you don't get much time with your family probably no and the kids were definitely growing up behind my back you know so i was just no i can't do it but having a once a month kind of thing would would be a quite a different experience and it's parks back good fun yeah i used to do that as pop-up dinners here and there anyway back you know before i went full more full-time into the restaurant yeah. and i'm going to come help you whenever i can but i just can't yes. come to these two <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you don't, you don't, you don't want my help. help you don't want my help my mum my mom had a cafe in ligon street in carlton and she employed really? my two sisters and said marcus you'll never work at my cafe <laughs> uh, were you in the that. kitchen or front of house what were you doing i, I was neither i was not allowed entry uh, okay marcus you could have been out the front spruiking yeah. the cafe I, that, that's me i was the mate yeah that's me i'm the maitre d that actually was not allowed into the kitchen yeah. I'm allowed to welcome you in and sit you down, but don't touch the food. Yeah. <laughs> I can just see you out the front with a megaphone going, what, rolling? That's come it. In you come, up. folks. The Fufu and Jojo show. <laughs> One night only in Katoomba. <laughs> we also have some uh, uh, events coming up in Tasmania. Joe, do you want to yes. talk about those? Yeah. Yeah, we're really excited to be going to Tasmania. Fu hasn't been to Tasmania yet. So. It's fine. Exciting. Yeah. And my daughter's coming as well, India, um, and a friend. And we've got like this team of five traveling around together plus people helping out. So it's going to be good fun. So we've got Devonport. Uh, sorry, we arrive in Devonport. Sorry, sorry. We have the first one in Burnie and then we have one in Launceston and one in Hobart. So the dates are the 28th, 29th and 30th. And you can find all the information on our events page on the blog and we'll also put a link in the show notes um, so these are our usual life-changing food seminars. If you haven't been to one yet, um, it's three hours of heaps of information and cooking and fun and laughs. And we really try to um, answer questions all throughout the seminar from the audience. So every seminar is slightly different because we focus on what you guys want to know. So bring your questions um, and come and get inspired. Change your life. The best cookbook going <laughs> Beautiful book I've ever oh, owned in my whole entire life. You can stand out front, Honestly, out the front of the seminars and, and um, with yeah. the megaphone. Come with us. <laughs> I've, never seen, I've never seen a book like it. I've never seen a book like oh. it. Still, still cannot find one that is as beautiful as your book. That embossing, that embossing on that front cover just yeah. will stick with me forever. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Marcus. We we really wanted it to be this book that people will pass down to the generations. Yeah. That's the one. Exactly. So we did it. Right. We did it. Off. Right. Yeah. You certainly did. Yeah, and so right, these are the events that we've got, but uh, there's so much else to talk about. And really, now we can get to the heart of this podcast. And it's uh, Marcus Pierce has been on an exotic journey to the east, or is it the west? That is the east, because yeah. you were talking. I was looking at Rumi when you were yeah. talking about it, thinking, yeah, the eastern Mediterranean, yeah. um, you know, part of Europe. Beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Wow, Icaria. Icaria. The, the island where people forget to die. Is that what they call it? 
Yeah, I think the New York Times came up with it, and it's something that does stick with me. And it, I mean, it's obviously not 100 percent true; they do die eventually. But it is. Um, <laughs> just forget about it. But they just, they, yeah, they, they just don't, don't worry them. about it. Yeah, they definitely don't worry about it. But um, it's interesting. Went back there for the second time, uh, you know, this year, and I really thought. I've got this place nailed. Before I got there, I thought I know exactly. I know the I know the island. I know the people. I know the culture. I know the food, and um, it really blew my mind because I, I realised after a couple of days that I know nothing. I know so little. Like it was there to teach, there to teach me. Obviously, the the, the uh, participants and having their whole their their whole experience, and you know, you're kind of balancing out. Uh, you know the you're, you're the host of the event with with Damien Christoph. I had Sarah and the kids there because I wanted them to have the experience yeah, as well. And then great. also just then having your own experience and your own exposure. And I really was amazed at just um, yeah how much it's a good reminder of you know when particularly in health and wellness you think you've got something nailed, and as yeah. soon as you do, you really shut yourself off from learning. Yeah. Um, or or that 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 dose of complacency kind of opens up another opportunity to learn, but. Yeah, I was. Give me an example of what what you're referring to. Well, I really thought when I left the first time that I'd really mastered the art of not uh, what to say, mastered the art of time. But uh, in that, I, I'd become less clock based. You know, I was not so worried about it's four o'clock and it's three o'clock. And because in the West we are so clock based, you know, if someone's late five or ten minutes for a meeting, then we either you know bad, we, bad we, on them. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. And there's some really you know, my mum particularly very, very thinking of my dad. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's like, you know, if someone's late, they're showing that they don't respect your time because you yes. know, you know, their ten minutes is no more important than your ten minutes and, and it's like don't get me wrong, she's she's correct. It's no one's time is more important than others. Mm. But in Korea their attitude is just so much different. It's that they will carry on. It's like when they're expecting you to come over for dinner, if you get there at seven or seven thirty or eight o'clock, it's just it's just not a thing. Um, and I think that I thought I that I had it. nailed that, but then I realized in my own responses over there that I definitely haven't. Like I was, I was looking at the clock and I was counting things down and, and particularly when they would say, you know, um, dinner will be at seven or seven thirty ish. And I'm always telling people, look, everything in Ikari is ish. If it's seven thirty ish, probably going to be eight or eight thirty by the time that we're eating. But then we'd all be sitting down at, at at the table and I'm kind of looking over my shoulder going, when's the food coming out and when's the wine coming out and when's this? And I was thinking to myself, oh, I haven't mastered this at all. Like I wasn't. Because you were also looking out for everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, that's the interesting, isn't that interesting though? Like it's yeah. the, the inner pleaser in me is worried yes, about everyone else. Exactly. And everyone else couldn't give a stuff. Like, no, they, they were, were having, having a great ball, time. Having a chat and yeah. talking and I was, I was struggling to be fully present in the mm. moment because I was kind of thinking of everyone else's experience. And if I, if I really had mastered the Icarian way of just engaging in the moment, whatever that moment is, and mm-hmm. just trusting it, of course the food's going to come out at some point. It's not, we haven't been forgotten about. It's not like we're low on the priority list. I know that we're cared for and all of the rest of it. It was just my own challenge in um, embracing the moment. And again, I thought I had it nailed. And I hadn't. So that's just one. That's just one example for you, Fufu. I'm conscious of our listeners' time. I don't want to railroad you too much, but that's definitely one that that's ticked out. <laughs> that's what you're here for to railroad us. <laughs> oh, railroad away. <laughs> no, and I think the other one definitely movement. You know, like um, the feedback from participants was we moved a lot on that trip. Like there's a lot of sitting down and dining, and you know, lunches are two hour long experiences, and dinner is about the same. But in between, you. You are walking a lot. Oh, we, we spent a lot of time at the beach. That was a wonderful thing. We just we took a day off and just literally went to the beach and, and did nothing. But when I say did nothing, you're, just, you're still you're swimming or you're walking and you're active. And a lot of people were really quite, um, you know, their feedback was, gee whiz, we were active. And yeah. I thought, well, this is normal for the Icareans. Like, you know, when you go to the beach, it's not like just the tourists. Are there. You, you definitely see the locals there at the beach and swimming and walking and hiking. And I thought, and that's just, that's just a normal day for a lot of Ikareans. I mean, just to paint the picture, there's no public transport in Ikaria. Really? Um, there's hardly any taxis. It's so hard to get a taxi there. And it's really, it's even harder to convince the taxi driver to take you somewhere. Um, <laughs> you know, like it's a very active, the mantra is, you know, why drive where you, where you, when you can walk? Um, it, it's such an active lifestyle, but we're all going, gee whiz, it's active. Um, yeah. So then it's like, yeah, that the onus is really 
on, you know, on us to move more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my things are I'm always, I'll always walk and talk when I'm on the phone. Right now I'm standing as we do this interview, but I'll always take phone calls and get out of the house and walk. Yeah. Um, That's what Claude and I have started doing. We do our um, meetings while we walk. Yes. It's so good. It's so, and it's so important. And then, you know, hill walking because so much is, you know, in the West we're always so, it's almost like we're hill averse. It's like, oh, a hill. But like, <laughs> if you look at the longevity cultures, they thrive on mountainous terrain. It's like, that's just part of it. And they don't question it, you know? So I think that was just another brutal reminder just to, you know, maintain. <laughs> your, leg, your legs that, found it brutal, did they? Oh, you know, just, yeah, I, they, they did. And I was like, oh, my legs aren't, aren't used to that level of activity. And it's like, yeah. well, they've really got to, We've got to warm them up to that. Marcus, I'll tell you something. Man. Like, um, first of all, don't feel bad about feeling like you've mastered such a culture and then going back and being culture shocked again because I spent 21 years in Lebanon, came to Australia, and every time I go back, I learn something new about the Lebanese. Yeah. And it's, it's who I am and my history and you know my culture. And every time I go back, I feel I've become more and more Australian and less Lebanese. And then I go and I... I find these things in the Lebanese people which I really really love like you were talking you know like this sense of not really running too strict on time Mm. that's a big thing like they don't really have a problem with nine or ten o'clock or seven o'clock or you know 8 30 another thing for instance what do you know you mean anytime whatever it is whatever like you say I'll be I'll come over and see you today they'll be like Mm. all right you know yeah I'll see you tomorrow afternoon all right and then if you're not there it's okay yeah, and you know it's it's no big it's that's right no big deal. And then there's, there was another thing where like you know we'd be up at nine o'clock uh, at night and something, and someone would say cup of coffee, and then they'd go make a coffee for everyone. In Australia, I'm going. You know, I have a one p.m. bed, caffeine yeah. intake, and uh. and they were just like having a good time, and they didn't really, you know. They weren't making strong coffee, but they were just having yeah. coffee. They liked it. They were socializing. They were, you know, intending to stay up till one o'clock. And um, another thing also was the kids. The kids stayed up till really late. With yes, break all of the rules. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you that, know. that was cool because kids got to hang out with the adults as well and just to, you yeah. know, partake in that cultural exchange. In yeah. Yeah. Well, a little story for you. So Sarah and I get back from Europe and we're like, we just want to do more social activities. And we loved uh, in France, you'd go out for a picnic and you'd have some you'd have some cheese and you'd have some salami and tomatoes and cucumber and you might even break the rules and have some bread. And you also might have a bottle of wine that they decork for you at the little deli. And you just take a couple of plastic cups and you just sip away and it was all, And but even in Ikaria, I mean, you just, you'd have lunch and there'd be wine at lunch and it's, no worries. And then Sarah did this. Um, she she did a surprise birthday for me on Saturday, which I was in the thick of organising wellness. Happy birthday to Saturday! Oh, yes. thank you. Well, so I'm in the thick of doing all this. You happy birthday on my oh, yeah. Do it, do it. You can sing it a little bit later. But I was like, I'm I'm, I'm in my home office. I'm dishevelled. I have got a five day growth. I haven't had a haircut in two months. I'm like in my cave, preparing for the wellness summit. And then Sarah says, um, the kids want to go down to Brunswick Heads just for an hour and play in the playground. They'd really love you to come. I said, of course, no worries. Let's go down and have some quality family time. I get down there and there's all these random friends like Bronnie oh, Bear, Sam Gowing, um, <laughs> Lawrence, and then some of Sarah's family and then some of the school parents that I never see that I'm always craving to see. And a surprise party and then Sarah's got a bottle of wine <laughs> and she's got a couple of like disposable cups and she's like, babe, you know, we said we want to do this social stuff when we come home. So Here's a wine. And I said to people, does anyone want just a little glass of wine? And like, oh, do you know? Oh, gee, I don't know. And then I've got a French friend who was there and I said, Johan, do you want just a little sip of red with me? And he said, oh, let's do it. And Sarah was saying that night, she said, I felt a little bit weird. I was at the playground and I had Tommy who's two and he's running around and I've got this little like plastic or like this paper cup of red wine, which in France was no problem. And in Ikaria was just normal. She said, I'm in Brunswick heads and I was feeling a little bit weird (laughs) overlooking my boy, like sipping on a red wine and I I may have looked like a bit of a dodgy mum. And then, you know, and then it got me thinking, it's like, you know, you get a bit torn between, well, what's normal or a well and truly socially accepted in one country is almost frowned upon mm. in another. 
And then that's, it's kind of like the challenge and the opportunity of living in such a global village is like we can really live any culture we want to. You know, you can live a French culture in Australia or a Japanese culture or an Italian culture. But it's kind of like how do you choose your culture? And kind of what you said at the start of this episode, Joe, is like how do you choose your life and lifestyle that you're comfortable with regardless of what anyone else might think? Because some people were probably looking at Sarah and going, is she some daytime alcoholic mum that's like, you know, flipping on a red? Completely (laughs) unaware that she's also part of this surprise party over there and, and all the rest of it. Uh, and other people that may have even been attending our party going, is that not quite right that Marcus and a couple of mates are drinking a little bit of red in the afternoon on a Saturday? <laughs> and it's like everyone could have their own views, but I think having your own way of life and your own culture these days is maybe whilst it's harder than ever, it's, it's almost easier than ever because we've got so many choices. I, I think it's important to, to choose your culture rather than to have your life dictated by it. And it's this is something I've been thinking about a lot. Recently, I had a conversation with a friend who went to Brazil, and he was telling me that when he was parking the car in Rio, these people would come up to him and they'd say, "Look, give us some money, or we'll uh, bash your car up." Oh, and and wow. he was saying like this was actually the normal parking fee, you know, like instead of having a meter in Brazil. <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, yeah, and he's like, you just give people money and they look after your car for you and they make sure no one comes and uh, does really? anything to it and they don't do anything to it either, you know. Huh. And it's like a normal thing. Or another thing that they do is if they're lining up and there's a big lineup to go somewhere, there's someone in that line who's just standing there to sell his spot in the line. So huh. you, you just go, you know, you save yourself three hours of waiting by, by paying X amount of money to that person. And, this is how, and you know, it's a, and when I was thinking about that, I was like, oh my God, like it's such a big difference in the culture between somewhere like oh. Brazil and somewhere like Australia. And my friend was saying, I mean, this is why we live in Australia is because we pay our taxes. The roads are all safe. We don't have crime we don't have any of that kind of stuff as well you know and what's cool about that is yes it's all true all these things are fantastic australia is an incredible country but there's no harm in also choosing things that are not yet available in australia in terms of the way that you view the world (laughs) and to make them part of your life you know just relaxing even a little bit more enjoying yourself even a little bit more and sorry i'm I'm just getting the giggles here thinking of the one standing in, in Australia in a parking lot saying, give me some money or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's just my culture. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> 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 bringing my culture to Australia. It's just five bucks. That's all I'm going to going to take ten. Well, you make your choice. <laughs> your excess is $400 or you can pay. I can just see him doing that, Marcus. <laughs> Tell you what, he's, he's big enough, but I don't think he's mean enough to <laughs> no, do it. But he's an, imposing, so he's an imposing figure, so I'd be handing over my money pretty quick <laughs> if he did it to me. He tapped me on the shoulder. I, I go, I'm as weak as water in those scenarios. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be picking a fight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Sorry dear. to interrupt. Go ahead, Paul. <laughs> Yeah, like, and they, they talked about, you know, having, um, you know, being mugged on the street where the guy just came up and said, look, just give me your money or I'm going to mm. beat you up. And they just pretty much, he took everything out of his pockets and put it on the floor and said, just take what you want, you know, because that's yeah. how, yeah. I mean, this is, uh, yeah, like some really rough stuff, but mm. I think there's something to our culture here that's also bringing a certain amount of uh, unhappiness in people. Like maybe it's just a little, there's something, um, going on in, in the Western world. It's just people are finding it hard to cope day, day to day. And I'm not sure. Are you seeing that the same, Marcus? Is that what you Well, mean? I think I, I have, I'm so biased on this and I could be clouded. But my view is as, as, as media consumption rises, mm-hmm. um, mental and physical health declines. Yeah. I agree. That's, that's, that's my, mm-hmm. my simplistic link. But the cultures that don't either have exposure to media or they shun it um, seem to have the best mental and physical health. Yeah. And the ones that seem to have a high exposure and high access to media. And then I, I, I almost want to draw a link, but I also want to say processed food and processed media. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Junk. They just go hand, just junk. Um, yeah. You know, the, the Ikareans, they're fiercely independent. You know, they've got, I just laugh. There's this beautiful couple, Yanni and Joanna. We go to their house and we, we visit them. And, and this year we gave up and we gave them a couple of gifts. We gave them a, we gave Yanni a hat made from kangaroo 
uh, skin because he's got a goat bag made from a, a goat, um, I don't call it a goat carcass, but it's, you know, got the goat skin, goat, hide, goat skin mm-hmm. and, he, and that's his backpack essentially for putting all of his produce and harvesting in. And so this year, took him over a, a hat made from kangaroo and gave Joanna an Aboriginal art um, apron, which she absolutely loved. And we gave them a, a, a boomerang to put on their mantelpiece. But in their kitchen is the biggest, oldest TV that I don't think they even know how to turn on. <laughs> those, old, those old hi-fis, like that literally yeah. are your desk. Yeah. And I just, I don't even think it works. And then they've got like a fan. <laughs> Which is so small and it's stinking. Marcus, do they have like doilies on the TV, like uh, some kind of oh, it's fabric just... that they put on there, like an ornamental <laughs> fabric? I, I just yeah, and I think well, they've got this little kitchen table with like this plastic kitchen cloth. Yes, I've seen photos of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and it's this tiny little home, and we pile like twenty, yeah. twenty-five people in there, <laughs> and I think you know they've got no clue of comparing to others and the outside mm. world and you know the only food they they buy is flour and coffee the rest they just live off their own land wow. and it's like they've just but you know what i mean they're just so independent and i think when we're so dependent on the approval of others mm-hmm. or that you know we want to exactly. be like others whether it's the movies we watch or the social media yes. or the magazines and and then if you look at the, the links between, you know, mental health and gluten consumption and poor gut health and that whole gut-brain connection, it's just, it's disturbing how simple the connection is and how obvious it is, but how much we still continue to buy into it. Well, know? that's the thing. Like, they call it t- TV programming, doesn't it? And it's yeah. pro- programming. <laughs> yes. oh, it's true. Like, that's yeah. in the word, you know, and the the... What's the culture trying to tell us about how we should be living our lives? You know, what are we, who are the people that we look up to these days? You know, like yeah. the Kardashians are the most famous oh. people on the planet. Like what, what kind of culture are we living in? That's crazy. And this is, you know, definitely going to create a lot of discontent in human beings because no one's going to be able to live like that. Anyone who wants to, who wants to. Oh, but it's also like um, just even the term, Influencer. Now, I know we all know influencers and whether we like it or not, we are to a certain degree influencers ourselves. But I think it's almost, I just, I would love it if we just deleted the whole word, the whole word uh, and it just became mentors because if you had the word mentor, then you probably, you probably delete 99% of influencers from the the population because I, I know people sadly that they will, they will cook something or they will make something from someone that says, you know, eat this or buy this or do this because I'm doing it. But they've got no idea whether it's good for them as an individual, but they'll do it just because someone else does. Yeah. But that's different to buying a recipe book and being inspired by a certain recipe, you know. Like if I want to cook your, is it saffron and lemon chicken? Um, yep, for what, right? Okay, so I, I see that because I respect you and I, I would love to have Fuad in my kitchen like as a mentor do you know what i mean but if it's as an influencer it's so different because when i when i think of influencer i feel like fuad has to have a six-pack wearing some type of g-string with this fake tan and he's got to be like picture perfect and he's got to be you know you think of the image right that's a scary photo i know think of the think of the image and joe's, joe's got to have like big boobs in a bikini got to have like blonde dyed yeah. hair and you know she's got to be lined by a pool going like how good is my life yeah you know and then I'll, and then i'll buy your food and eat your but it's like I want you've got to be wearing all the latest styles and you've got to have the, the latest styles. of everything no, yep i want mentors i don't want influencers yep, exactly sadly for the millennials that they're like addicted to influencers but mm. they don't they think they've got mentors but they're not mentors. They're what are they learning? And it's like, who do you want? Do you want to be influenced or do you want to be mentored? And I'm like, surely at a soul level, we all want to be mentored. And we don't want people go, oh, no, there's positive influences and negative influences. I think mentors give you the good and bad. Mm. You know, they show you the hard work behind the scenes. But then they also show you the rewards of the hard work. Yeah. But influences in, the, in today's world, they're only showing you one side of the coin because they don't get paid to show you the other side of the coin. Exactly. And they don't yeah. get paid to show you. And that's, something, that's something Fouad and I have talked a lot about lately also, um, really showing showing the real in our lives, you know, like when we're not well and when we're 
you know, struggling with our health and we're working through things with our kids or whatever, we mention that because it's, like you say, it's mentoring. It's people need to know that um, there is hope for, for healing and for, you know, getting well, but there will be ups and downs. Yeah, what shapes the journey takes, really. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's, and, you know, with Quirky Cooking, the business emerged out of uh, genuine sharing. It wasn't yeah. purpose built. Like we, Joe, you didn't say I'm going to build quirky cooking. It's Never. I didn't. Even, I didn't even. Joe didn't know what she was doing. She was just sharing recipes. Going. Can anyone stop asking me about these recipes over and over? Here you go. They're on this thing called Facebook. I think it is it. Facebook headbook. Blog. Like first it was blog. And it's blog. I had to Google That's it. Right. I had to figure it out. Marcus, they. Yeah. Two years ago, goes to Joe. He said, "I was talking to a mate of mine. This is Joe's husband. I was talking to a mate of mine in um, the hospital about what you do, and he said to me, it would be probably very useful for your wife to get a Facebook page going.'" <laughs> <laughs> so Dave's saying to me, I think Ask you should know if he's met on Facebook before. I hear it's a, it's a, it's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, well, he's not on it, so he wouldn't know. This, yeah. this is the beauty. You know? this, this is how organic it is in the, in the household. You know? I was like, yes, well, what do you think I've been doing all this time? Yeah. Like, oh, no, you're always talking to someone. Uh, <laughs> it's hilarious. But you kind of like it that way, don't you? That's kind yeah. of the, the beautiful thing. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Mm. So, yeah, <laughs> I, no, I think, you know, but, you know, you guys are wonderful mentors and I think this is what I love about the couch. I don't think any of us see ourselves as influencers, you know, because there's yeah. almost, a, there's ego behind that. Yes. As mentors, we just love helping people. Yeah, we love um, Yeah, and I think, it, and that, that is something that is built from within. An influencer is is an external, you know. um Sad. Yeah. But I think as a mentor, that's something you feel on a soul level. Like you can't help but want to help people. Yeah. Marcus, I was sitting um, a few years ago at uh, my desk at this uh, big publicly listed company. I was just given this contract. I was making you know, a good amount of money, a daily rate, like a really big daily rate. And I was just so unhappy. I just hated my job, hated what I was doing. That's when I had closed down my restaurants and I thought I'd never go back into the hospitality industry because it was just too tiring. So I went back to IT and I thought, you know, I'm going to have to support my family in this way that's so destroying to me, but at least, you know, I can give them a good life and just do that. Mm. And um, I was talking to <clears throat> to Joe and um, he's Joe and I said, hey, Joe, when are you going to do your next cookbook? She goes like, I don't know. I don't have any any time to do it. And I, I said, hey, Joe, would, would you do it with me? You know, and I honestly didn't think she, was, she would say yes. And then when she said yes, I felt this thing in my body that I said, hey, you're not going to know where your next dollar is going to come from. You're not going to know uh, what future you're stepping into, uh, mm-hmm. what you're going to do in this, but you know fully that this is what you have to do because, you know, like around, I think two days before that, I uh, heard um, that, I was told that the biggest customer for the company I was working for was Monsanto. And I just could uh, and I it just killed me to know that my energy was going to a business that is in in a way servicing Monsanto down down the line from what I was doing. And uh, so I was about to, you know, call it quits anyway, and this thing with Joe came and I just felt like an over like overall yes to to all the unknowns and all the uncertainties about this did not think what my life would look like i didn't know what kind of work i'd be doing with her going forward or anything like that and it was just knowing that the things it was very unplanned wasn't it yeah completely but the things that you know we i had learned for myself and all these uh, adversities that i've come across needed to have a place to express themselves and he was joe you know offering such a huge opportunity for me and that's where the business came from you know like where i joined the business it, it wasn't about um creating a successfully financial future i already had that but what i needed um, to do yeah. was to find somebody who um was sharing their soul's message and uh, here was Joe doing that and she gave me the space to do it myself and this is what we continue to do now it's not about being an influencer it's about reaching out to people and saying hey man we know what you're going through we've gone through it we're still going through it now we're recovering yeah. from it at the moment too 
And, you know, if you're feeling down, it's your right to feel down. If you're feeling anxious, this is the result of the culture that we're living in. And there's so much that you can do, but at least in the beginning, know that, that there is hope and that there's other people out there who have walked this path and they've survived it. And they're here to tell you that you can survive it too. This is all the work that we do, whether the message comes in the form of a cookbook or a talk or a podcast that we do. This is what we're doing. And we're just trying to hold people's hands until they have enough strength for them to take control of their lives and make the move out of the toxic environment that they found themselves into and into a place where they're healthy and where they're contributing positively to the world. Mm-hmm. So this it's a very different um, place for us to, to work from than, you know, people who are trying to make a living because there's so many ways to make a living. You know, just so yeah, many. it's make a living versus create a life, isn't it? Right. Mm, yeah. it is. That's why it's so easy to work with you guys because we're all coming from a very similar place and you look at the yeah. community that we have on the couch, it's all very similar, uh, particularly, that you know, the type of people that and the type of um not messages, we're all sharing, you know, different messages that all align, but we're all coming from a place of a, di- a different level of care, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What else do we have to talk about? Do we, we talked about all the events. We've covered all that, did we? Oh, I'll tell you what, I could, I could talk all day if you want to. <laughs> well, give, give us some of the big learnings, learnings from Ikaria. I'd love to hear about something that happened there that inspired. What's the story? Oh, look, I think... Um, Oh, I think I loved seeing the impact that, that the trip had on the, on the kids, particularly around meal times. I think we are so in a culture of, you know, the kids sit separately and get the meal done as quickly as possible, so you know the kids can get out of the way. And um, what I found when we were there was, if the kids sat next to me, I wasn't I wasn't present. Like I was conscious of them and what they were eating and eat this and do that and all the rest of it. So I said to the kids on about day two, I said, "You've got to sit next to someone else." and get to know them and have conversations. Oh, and you should tell people thing. how old your kids are. Oh, eight, five, and two. Okay. Yeah, so Maya's eight. She wanted to do everything with the adults. But what I observed just on a group dynamics level is just how important it is to, you know, not always do the predictable thing, particularly around mealtimes. Like mealtimes are just such a great time to stop and socialize, just yep. stop and socialize. And, you know, even if you, even if you eat by yourself, gee whiz, it's a great time just to stop. Mm. And you don't have to stop and sit on your phone. You could stop and just contemplate your life. You could look at the different it's areas of your life time. and just think. You could do and not think. You could just look at the, you know, at the moment there's blue sky out there. You could just mm. sit and look at the blue sky and just do nothing. Like you don't have to have your phone nearby. And if you've got other people, it's a great idea to just stop and talk and eat, you know, and just mm-hmm. I think that was just a really good reminder. And also, um, I just realized like I've always kind of fought it since since I went to Ikaria in 2016, just that mid-afternoon, just siesta, relax. Like the afternoon for me is way less productive than the morning. Like I am bullet Same. a gate, change the world in the morning. Come yeah. the afternoon, I'm like, nah. You know, like I book all my meetings and stuff in the afternoon because it's kind of like those people, It's, it's so, I get so much energy out of engaging with others. But if I don't have that, I'm just so... I'm just going to take a siesta. I'm just going to have a lie down for 20 <laughs> minutes, half an hour. I might even read a book, you know, like because that does so much for my body just chilling out. Um, and, you know, if it's good enough for the longevity cultures of the world, it's good enough for, for me. And, and, and my body tends to tell me that. And it's not some three o'clock, you know, insulin thing. It's not yeah. that. It's actually just it's, just, it's more mental than physical. It's more yeah. just like my will is that it's is that is is lower than it is in the morning. I think that's um, normal. Yeah, yeah, and that's okay, and that is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, you don't have to push through. You don't have to have a coffee. You yeah, I was about to say that the coffee and the muffin. Yeah, you don't have to do that. You can just chill out. Like, isn't it good to be able to have the kind of work where we can? Like well, that's what some people would be going to be going, that's good yeah. enough for you, but yeah. you know, I've got kids just gnawing at me or I've got a, um, a corporate environment that doesn't make that easy. But mm. I definitely think it's, it's worth having conversations. Like how do we expect yes. corporate environments particularly to change if you don't have the conversation? And maybe um, maybe a cultural change in the house yeah. can occur. And, look, I'm not saying that's easy, but just have a sit down and have a little um, – just consider what could you – incorporate into your family culture 
um, that would do it. I know Sarah, like Tommy's two and he's still breastfeeding and he has a sleep in the, in the middle of the day. And Sarah does stuff all. She's probably lying in bed right now asleep or reading whilst Tommy has a sleep. And that's almost, that's almost like goes against the culture. Like, shouldn't I she, did that like, why aren't you being productive? You know, shouldn't she be, yeah, washing or doing something? You know, but I no. did that for ten years with my little kids. I always had a nap after lunch, and they always had a lay down as well. If they didn't go to sleep, they still had to stay there for an hour. Yeah. It was so good. Quiet time. It's a, it's a wonderful yeah. and it's a wonderful lesson that you know may or may not stick with them. But gosh, if it does, you know, all yeah. credit to them. I really think um, companies should have like a three pm break yeah. where people get the chance to go lie down for twenty minutes. I think. Mm. You know, to expect a human being to only have a one-hour break throughout the day, push food down their throat, and then get maybe a little bit of fresh air and sunshine, and then back into if it. They're lucky. It's in, that's inhuman. Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah, particularly like the outdoors. Fiesta in the middle of the day, right? Sorry. Be like we should be like Spain, and everybody yeah. closes shop and has a siesta. Oh, yeah, but even <laughs> I even remember in France, you know, I couldn't buy anything between twelve and two. Yeah, everything shut. <laughs> You know, you go, oh, let's go and have lunch. You go, oh, no, they're, they don't, they're not eating now. Yeah. Yeah. They're resting. So everything, a lot of European cultures do it so well. And I, yeah. and I go, yeah, I kind of, not kind of, like I feel, get it. Yeah. I feel what they do, but I just don't acknowledge it. Like I don't give it. And isn't it interesting, like Isaac mentioned this to me the other day. He said first thing in the morning he's like on fire with his schoolwork. Around yeah. lunchtime and after lunch he just like, the level and energy level just go to zero. And yeah. then he said then late afternoon he picks up again so he does more schoolwork then. And I guess it's finding your, your rhythm and figuring finding your out, rhythm. Yeah, figuring oh, out what so works important. For you. So important. Mm. If you can teach it in your kids or help the, the, your kids find their rhythm, mm. I just think it makes for a much happier family Definitely. life. And if you can and if you can honor it yourself, like I know for me a big thing is night times even like we've got the summit coming up and there's so many things happening and there's a real temptation to work in the nights. Yeah. I just don't do it. I don't yeah. do it. I get up at five in the morning and yeah. do an hour of work from five till six before I go and um, exercise yeah. and the rest. And that is so much better. And I get so much more done in that hour yes. than like pushing through from like, 8 30 to 10 30 or whatever oh, just, i'm ready to hop in bed at 8 30 these days and just read or draw yep something and i'll have a cup of tea yeah. with sarah at 8 30 like a chamomile and we'll just talk <laughs> and we'll just have a chat and then i'll go i'm tired oh yeah my body's actually giving me that feedback i am actually yeah. ready for bed yeah it's so yeah. good to work early in the morning it, that's a good time yeah that's a little trade secret isn't it Fuad's been trying to teach me this for a while. And the other day he challenged me to turn my phone off at 6 p.m. for the whole night. Ah, and I was nice. like, okay. So I said, to my, I said to my kids, okay, if you want me, the phone is not on because sometimes they're out and about and, you know, they'll message me or, yeah. you know, whatever. And my husband was at work and I sent him a message just before 6 and I said, I'm just letting you know I'm turning my phone off. If, if you want me, you'll have to ring the home number. And he's like, what? I don't remember our home number. Where was I? <laughs> What's Landline? I survived really well and I drew a picture and I had some time out and it was survived. really nice. <laughs> and the world, the world survived. The you know, world was It felt like this, this weight was off my shoulders because I didn't have to answer messages, you know. Yeah. And even though I don't do a lot of work at night anyway, I, I usually don't. Um, just not having to look at messages. Was well, very the light from the device. And what's this thing in our hand that we're always looking at? Yeah, that's so that's tied to it. You really think about it. And I and I went to sleep straight away. And slept well too. There we yeah. go. Mm. Very so that's I'm working on my, doing that more often. My flute lesson is in ten minutes. Oh, I have to start warming my fingers up. Are you going to uh, play us "Happy Birthday" for Marcus? Oh, uh, I don't know if I know how to do it. <laughs> Oh yes! Come on, give them a little a little sample of your flute playing. Come on, go on, guys! You can switch off right now if you like. No, no, now they're all actually <laughs> tuning in. This is the time when everyone starts tuning in. I picked up this instrument two months ago, and I'm really just really. What type of flute is it? Is it a traditional flute, or is it some type of yeah, Indian? Uh, Indian. So. Yeah, okay. it's called the Bansuri. I saw this uh, girl play it on YouTube around uh, nine weeks ago. And she was sitting there so peacefully and she was playing the most like sweetest little tune. I thought, hey, I want to do that. Like I want to learn this instrument. And I got it and I started playing. And I eventually got a teacher who's now doing the sixth lesson today. 
and um, yeah, pretty excited. He's from a long lineage of Indian flute, uh, like his family's been playing the flute for generations, so he's got it passed down to him through the family, and I'm the recipient of that teaching now, which is really cool. But uh, very cool. Well done. Well, let's he's see how. Very good at it. No, don't 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 build people's expectations. But let's see. Okay, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> So beautiful. Thank oh, you. Can, can you please bring it to the summit? I want a little yeah, lesson. You got to do that. I'll, I'll bring it. I'm, tra- I'm traveling with it. I've got one in the car. It's he always yeah. travels with it. You'll be okay. in the middle of a conversation and he'll break into fluting. It's you are bringing that to the wellness summit. <laughs> <laughs> you are bringing it. I'm not playing it on stage. Now, Joe, you have the world record. This is pre food. You have the world record for the most um, tribal attendees to a wellness summit. I think you had 50 quirkies. <laughs> There in about 2014, so I'm putting it out to your tribe to be the leaders of the. All right, tribe. come on, Quirkies, back us so, up. Quirkies, the <laughs> yeah. Wellness Summit. I think, I think, at the time of recording, there's about 65 seats left to the summit. So okay, it's up to the many. Quirkies if they're going to be the gold medalists for the biggest right. tribe. They've well, got well, changing habits. 28, they're up against. Um, <laughs> who else am I thinking of? How the many Quirkies do we have? Oh, I don't have a don't have a leaderboard in front of me at the moment, but look, it might be. Yeah, no, I'd be guessing. But if you um, uh, yeah, it's in the is it, is it in? You've got the code. We said it earlier, wasn't yeah. it? Quirky mm-hmm. group, uh, quirky group booking. Is that what it was for? Quirky group booking. Quirky group booking at thewellnesssummit.com. It is what it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> the, the code, everyone. The code is not. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to see you there, folks. Marcus, yeah. we might have a, another podcast with you during the summit if we can manage it. That'd it's be fun. fabulous. Do a live. Yeah. yeah. That'll be fun. We'd love to. Can't wait to see you soon. Can't wait. Thanks for having me on, folks. Big love to you and all of your listeners and your community members. Just really grateful to be part of your tribe. Thanks, Thank Marcus. you so much. Chat to you guys everyone. next week. Okay. Bye. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.